Although I'm a doctor by profession, I'm not your doctor. All content and information on this podcast and on our website is for informational and educational purposes and does not constitute medical advice and does not establish any kind of patient-client relationship by use of our site. Although we strive to present accurate information, the podcast and website are not a substitute for your healthcare provider. Always consult a healthcare professional who knows your particular needs and circumstances before making any healthcare-related decisions. Also, there are curse words that are unedited and graphic descriptions of bodies, bodily fluid, and other real-life scenarios that might make some listeners upset. Suck it up. to the Perimena Podcast. I'm Dr. Suzanne Ciotti. And I'm Becca Hammer. Topic of the day, insomnia. Girl, I cannot remember the last time I slept through the night unaided. I have no idea what's going on. So it doesn't matter how much or how little sleep I've gotten, if I ran a marathon, you know, like that's gonna happen, or I binged all day on Netflix, it's like fucking Groundhog Day. I am lying there awake in the middle of the night, wondering why the hell I can't sleep. Then I wake up sometimes four to five times a night. Oh yeah, and I have to go to the bathroom. Doesn't even matter how much or how little I've had to drink throughout the day. It is crazy, but something tells me it has to do with this little bitch we call perimenopause. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. That is a problem that I see commonly and hear from patients commonly in my office. It's a symptom of hormones. It's also a symptom of many other health issues and concerns. I think we should dive into that today on our podcast. We absolutely should because I guarantee you that this is one of the ones, this is has to be one of the top complaints that women have because not being able to sleep impacts everything else and it doesn't feel like there's anything you can do about it. Right. Yeah, and it's it's such a common symptom that most women will experience sleep changes around menopause or perimenopause. Some women have already experienced sleep changes related to PMS or premenstrual syndrome. A lot of women who have kids have suffer from insomnia from disruption of sleep cycle, which we'll talk about as being really important to reestablish in order to get control over your sleep. Well, let's dig in. So you kind of, I think, uh, told us a little bit about your story involving insomnia. So how about if I tell you a little bit about my story? My stories. I know. I'm a woman. I'm in my mid-50s. And I will tell you that I had worse sleep problems uh, in my 30s and 40s, probably in retrospect, related to perimenopause and hormonal changes, some a little bit related to stress as well. And my story was I had no trouble really falling asleep most nights. Sometimes I would have that racing thoughts and that I couldn't get out of my head and trouble sleeping and have to try different sleep aids like Benadryl in order to help us sleep. I tried melatonin for a little while too because sleep was so important to my functioning the next day. And I had kids to take care of. I had a job. I had to be functioning very well. Couldn't be sluggish. I, my story is that really in my mid-30s, late 30s, all of my sleep started to kind of fall apart by getting to sleep, but then waking up in the middle of the night, just right. like what you described. Exactly. Yeah. It, yeah. I could fall asleep too. Falling asleep was not the issue. 
couldn't stay asleep. Mm -hmm. So I'd wake up in the middle of the night, usually like that witching hour of one or 2 a.m. after I'd had what I thought was three solid hours of sleep. And you know, my body's like, okay, time to wake up. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> I get up, I go to the bathroom, come back, and I'd have about a million thoughts of things to do. What did it, what I had, what I did during the day before, just chatter, chatter, chatter. It wouldn't stop. And I thought, how am I going to get to sleep? And the more that I thought about how am I going to get <laughs> right. to sleep, the worse it would get. It just got so, so bad. So, and, and then, then did, the you next do, day, did you do the thing where you, where you looked at the clock and you're like, okay, it's two o'clock in the morning. I have to get up at six. That means I only. <laughs> Right. And you, and you count how many more hours you get to sleep if I fall asleep in the next 10 seconds. Yeah, that, I, that's true. I, that would occur, that calculation would occur every hour. Like, okay, so now it's been 60 minutes that I haven't slept. If I go to sleep now, I'll get three hours. Three plus the three I already got is six. People can function on six hours of sleep. <laughs> I love this justification. Yeah, Thank right. God I'm not the only one. Yeah. All and right. so I'd wake up and of course, I'd, I'm like, okay, I got to function, didn't get enough sleep. You know, our target is like seven or eight hours. I got six or five and a half. I better drink a bunch of coffee. Yes, of I course. better drink like two or three mugs of coffee so I can be really functioning well. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would do that. I sometimes I'd exercise in the morning and then I'd get to work. I'd be really good until after lunch. And then I'd start to get sluggish again. She crashes. Uh, start to crash. I'm like, oh my gosh, how am I going to stay awake? I better have a little piece of chocolate or some coffee. It kind of set me up for this bad cycle of poor sleep. So why is this happening? Yeah, well, it's we think it's probably related to some hormonal changes as one no. of the main symptoms, Why? perhaps. Yes, okay. Uh, it, yeah, right? It can be related to uh, typically women uh, in their 30s and 40s start to lose progesterone, the ability to uh, produce progesterone, which is we've talked about in the past. It's a feel-good hormone, usually you're corpus luteum, which is the follicle around the egg, makes it on day 14 of your cycle, and that kind of sets you up for good endometrial lining of your uterus, but also good sleep, and, and, uh, and that hormone goes down through your 30s and 40s on that luteal phase, and you start to have more trouble with sleep. Women can typically expect it happening about 10 years before true menopause when they stop having periods. So it's really common for it to be in your mid 30s. So you can't sleep to for 10 your years. 50s. You can't yeah. sleep for 10 years. For 10 years, Jesus. you might have trouble if it's related just only to that progesterone. Yeah. yeah. 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, and the thing about sleep, it's probably one of the most important things to try to aid and fix because sleep is so important for your functioning, not just mentally and not just with alertness, but there's a lot of problems you can have the next day if you hadn't been sleeping well consistently. And I have definitely had women who've come to me who are like, I have not slept for six years. I've not slept for <laughs> ten years. I, you know, I can if I can get three hours of sleep, I'm really ha I'm happy. And they typically will have a lot of other symptoms too that like. are probably related to the lack of sleep, like trouble with motivation, trouble with kind of feeling down and sad, some 
trouble with uh, wanting to exercise or complete tasks during the day. Wait, you're just saying don't that you energy. don't want to exercise if you've only slept for four hours? Right, yeah. yeah you might not that. feel like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot of women who are having this trouble will, will turn to drinking caffeine. Caffeine is my friend. Caffeine makes you stay awake and it seems to make you alert. Yeah. It gives you a feeling of well-being, like it can help mood quite a bit. But it sets you up for a possibly bad night's sleep that next that night because caffeine actually stays in your system 24 hours. So even if you have that morning cup of coffee, I'm actually continually yeah, caffeinated. Is that have, what I'm saying? Yes. The caffeine the adrenaline rush never stops. Right. And <laughs> sometimes if you're drinking two or three cups of coffee, you might be getting like 300 micrograms of caffeine. If you're doing Rockstar, you might be getting even higher amounts of caffeine. Red Bull. And caffeine is really bad for good sleep. Red Bull. Uh, caffeine, it causes you not to be able to get that deep sleep. Uh, so you end up. Uh, not getting restorative sleep that's so important for your brain. You might get REM sleep, which is the kind of sleep you get with dreams, but you're not getting restorative sleep. When you're not getting that deep regenerative sleep, uh, your your brain is negatively impacted by having this adenosine buildup. Uh, adenosine? Talk more about yes. what adenosine is. And that it, sounds very sexy. It doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> adenosine is an amino acid that's made when you metabolize uh, ATP, so ATP. it's a, what your mitochondria make, and that will build up. An important part of sleep is actually clearing adenosine, so that helps your brain to function more alertly the next day. Uh, good sleep is also important in kind of uh, pathways of neurogenesis in the brain, so integrating what you've done through the day so that it com uh, the memories and learning are um, processed uh, in the most effective neural pathways. Huh? So, so something tells me that this lack of sleep is also related to the fact that I can't remember shit anymore, too. Yes. Or we'll talk about that. Yeah. That's a whole show, I feel. Right. Uh -huh. yeah. Okay, good. Right. <laughs> yes. A lot of women talk about not being able to remember things. Yeah. So, so what I hear you saying, then, is that this adenosine is... Is built up all day and I have to sleep at night in order to get rid of it. Yes. Because deep sleep is like the cleaning crew that comes in mm -hmm. and does stuff like scrub the toilets. Mm -hmm. And yeah, okay. You are correct. You heard me exactly <laughs> right. I thought, I I thought you that. said something about cleaning crews in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> you're such a good translator. Yeah, so you're not getting that sleep that you need to regenerate and you're starting to get this. As you can see, probably you're kind of figuring out this bad cycle, this disruptive cycle where you're not sleeping well, so you're sluggish, you're drinking caffeine, which interrupts your sleep, you're not exercising early in the day, which might affect sleep. So women will have this kind of bad cycle of sleep that goes on years and years and years, and some of it might be precipitated by hormonal changes that are starting even 10 years prior to Dang menopause. hormones. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. So okay. we have to try to fix that disruptive cycle. Some of the other things that can you might feel physically from not getting good amount of sleep are actually pain. Some we think fibromyalgia and pain, a kind of chronic pain uh, mm -hmm, symptoms, mm -hmm. might be related to poor sleep. That irritability, that trouble with mood, the trouble with anxiety, might be related to not getting those pathways cleared and getting good restorative sleep. Your trouble with concentration during the day. Concentration is really important for memory, especially short-term memory. So some women say, I just can't remember anything. Am I getting Alzheimer's? Well, maybe it's actually related to sleep. So fixing sleep, that sleep pattern, that sleep 
that sleep habit that women or even men have developed over time is going to be really important to your whole well-being, your physical, mental, emotional well-being. So you're saying if I can't sleep, I ain't going to have a good day. Yeah. Or a good 10 years in this case. Right. Give or take a year or two on either side. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so it's important. It's one of the primary things that are important to good health is good sleep. And okay. we don't really talk about it, I think, enough. Nobody. So. I mean, you hear about All you hear is that nobody can sleep. Yeah. <laughs> and we have to be careful as providers of providing too much medication for sleep because sometimes those disrupt sleep. You aren't getting deep sleep. You're not getting restorative sleep it might also make you more sluggish the next morning uh, it might de- you might develop dependence on it uh, on a yeah. sleep aid so we so if, i think for patients and women and people out there to have that understanding that whatever i can do to help my sleep is really important i need to take some time to do that so that i can function well and it might not be a quick fix like a pill Okay. That's why when a patient comes in to me and they're having this constellation of symptoms Con- of memory. It's the constellation you again. You know, yes. Constellation <laughs> of symptoms. It's in the sky. <laughs> it's in the stars. Uh, I start to always first address, we have to address your sleep. We need to, we know that there's a domino effect. Yeah, but uh, hold on, hold on. But you can't tell me that part of not being able to sleep, catching on fire, having a hot flash several times a night doesn't play into the fact that I can't sleep. Very good. <laughs> I agree, Becca, especially in menopause. That is a major disruptor for some women, uh, That those hot flashes that it can occur. And they're one of the biggest symptoms of full-blown menopause when women are at the verge of that very last period. Mm -hmm. And remember, we are also talking about perimenopause or that time prior to menopause when you're getting all these hormonal changes. So, uh, and that's when women will start to have sleep up to 10 years before. But you're right. We'll, We'll talk about that on another episode when we talk about specifically hot flashes. Or hot flushes which sounds so weird hot flushes like i could flush them away right okay can't yeah. do that well and the other symptom i forgot to mention that i was having a lot uh is the night sweats yes so women will talk about night sweats years before they go through full-blown menopause yeah it's one of those things that the body does when it's under stress you know even if you have we also think of it as a symptom of cancer or autoimmune disease or just stress emotional stress in general but definitely with those perimenopausal changes women will start to get more hot sweats and might even wake up drenched in sweat that's you know definitely the sheets might need to be changed or your uh, bed clothes might need to be changed so the night sweats are also a symptom. I, I can't even imagine that. I think, sweet Jesus, that was not one of the constellation of mm-hmm. uh, symptoms that I had. But I can only imagine what that's like to wake up drenched. Changing your sheets at night? Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. No wonder you awake. You're changing your sheets. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. You wake up. You thought you were hot. You're all wet. All of a sudden, you're freezing cold. You have to change your clothes. And, you know... Then you're supposed to go back to, to sleep, sleep after yeah, exactly. doing all that. Yeah, you know that's something that's a calming thing. Is getting, you know, potentially your partner up to change the sheets, right? Or lying in your own flop sweat. So right, <laughs> <laughs> right, all right. 
I can't sleep. It's clearly impacting my life. I'm going to go to my provider. What do I need to do as a perimenopausal woman who goes to their provider and talks about sleeplessness? Because that is going to be the function of my life right now. I got to get to sleep. Well, it's so good that the listener is listening now because there's some things that you can do to prepare for that visit that'll make it way more efficient so you'll get kind of a plan from your provider. So there, this is what you should load yourself up with uh, information-wise that you can present to your provider. One of them would be a sleep diary. <laughs> Dear diary, I can't fucking sleep. <laughs> right. Yeah, the end, I'll right. see you in 15 minutes. <laughs> oh, close. No, 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 no. Actually, it's a Dear really diary, specific. Dear <laughs> 2.15. Still can't sleep. <laughs> 2.45. Yeah. Right. Not yet. I know. I wish that were that helpful? much Is that what's going to be helpful? Our sleep diary is a lot more dry than that. Yes. Uh, okay, <laughs> So we, you're going to record when you go to bed. You're going to record when you wake up. Wait, go to bed or... Yeah, okay. Like the time that you went to bed, the time that you woke up in the morning. Uh, you're also going to talk about... Uh, what were your habits prior to sleeping? Did you exercise? Did you have an argument with your roommate? Uh, did you do the same thing each each night or did you do something different? Were you working? Were you on a computer? Uh, when did you eat? Kind of pay attention to, did you have a meal late, late at night before you went to bed? Well, define late, late. Is that 15 minutes before I went to bed or two hours? Two hours, okay. actually. Okay. Anything time anything yeah. two hours uh, prior to falling asleep, that could have influenced something about sleep for you. Um, did you drink alcohol? Okay, but alcohol helps me sleep. Well... That's a good thing to talk about because uh, uh, we can talk about that a little bit later when we're talking about some of the changes you can make to help your sleep. But it does make, just in briefly, it does make you fall asleep, but it results in poor sleep quality, not the deep sleep. And you end up waking up in the, you know, two in the morning because that the effects of alcohol have worn off. So it's actually not good sleep. It's a bad habit to promote sleep with drinking alcohol. All right, let's put a time frame on that exercise one then too. Yeah. You said you exercise late in the day. What's late in the day? Well, that's another one that's usually like two or three hours prior to sleep might be too much. It might have created enough uh, like adrenaline in your system that that is something that's hard for you to calm down from. That said... Actually, things like restorative yoga might be very good, or yin yoga, which is just mostly postures that are relaxing uh, and more for stretching. That might be beneficial to help with sleep because they focus somewhat on breathing. I don't ever consider yoga exercise, okay? I'm talking about the thing that makes my heart raise. Uh, Right, that's what we're talking about too. (laughs) So maybe while you're doing your diary, you want to make note of, which kind of things that you're doing specifically so you can talk about it with your provider. You might want to talk about how long you stayed awake uh, each time you woke up in the middle of the night. You mean as I'm watching Uh, the clock? As you're watching the clock. I can't sleep. I can't sleep. Mm -hmm. Right. If I fall asleep right now, I'll only have three more hours of sleep. (laughs) It's sometimes actually writing it down. I mean, you don't have to do this in the middle of the night because it is some other task that might keep you from falling asleep. But sometimes writing things down actually helps get rid of them out of your head so that you do fall asleep. But you don't have to do that for the sleep diary. Just make note of them when you wake up. 
Okay, also, so I don't have to turn on a light, find the diary, yeah. and write it right. down in the middle of the night. Okay. You probably Check. will remember it for the next day. Uh, also make note of, did you take any medicines to help you sleep? Like, did you take Benadryl? Do you have a prescription for Ambien? Because, like I said, those might not be resulting in the best sleep quality, and you might have side effects of sleepiness the next day. Did you try herbals? Was there, uh, you know, any herbals that you might have taken? Are we talking about uh, herb, or are we talking about herb? We're talking about herb. We're talking about <laughs> the ones that you can get at the natural food store, <laughs> not at the dispensary. Okay, check. Got it. I'm just trying to help people understand here. Right. What are we talking about? So, and actually, that list of medicines—that's another good thing to bring into your provider uh, because we want to keep track of some of the over-the-counter medicines you might have been taking and those herbals and and uh, any kind of alcohol or marijuana intake that you might have had because some strains of marijuana are, are more activating than others and we talked about alcohol being one of those things that might actually result in poor sleep. Um, are you suggesting that my indica is not a lot cracked up to be? It might not be, and maybe <laughs> we'll have to experiment and see what's just right for you. <laughs> you want to start to also keep a diary for your hormones that you'll bring to your provider. This will include when it is that you had your period, how long it lasted, maybe any kind of moodiness symptoms as well that you might have during the month. You're kidding. Moodiness? <laughs> what, is that like a scale of 1 to 100? Right. I'm at 98 at all times. <laughs> Moody as shit. Sometimes with that hormonal <laughs> calendar, what women will do is actually just do a smiley face or a frowny face or a line. Like a, you could, so you could just make it simple like that. Am I frowny or smiling? <laughs> Back to level one of. <laughs> or you could give it a, do it on a scale of zero to ten. But that also helps kind of uh, helps us to gauge when are certain hormones checking in. Like or starting to be produced. Like I talk about progesterone being that feel good hormone. So smiley face, smiley face, smiley face day. <laughs> yes, right. Okay. 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 Good. Okay. So I'm keeping my dear diary. A couple my of them. dear sleep diary. Right. My dear hormonal diary and my dear drug diary. Yes. So these are all <laughs> great information for your provider to help narrow in on. What might be causing the issues with your sleep? Because there's a lot of medical issues that can cause trouble with sleep. And those might need to be evaluated by your physician and might require some additional testing. Like what? So it's associated with so many medical and mood issues. Uh, so especially true depression and anxiety, that can cause trouble with sleep. That's why it's good to kind of keep track of emotionally how you're feeling throughout the calendar, a calendar month. Uh, sometimes it might be related to hormones, but sometimes maybe you're going through a lot of stressful time and that's causing trouble with your sleep well, or it, yeah. suffering from depression or anxiety and that might need a different kind of strategy. Yeah, because um, so many women in that perimenopausal phase have children that they're, they're like that sandwich situation where they're taking care of children, but they may also be taking care of their parents as well. And so they're getting pulled from both sides. Mm -hmm. They've got unbelievable stress. And so, yeah, I don't know why they can't mm -hmm. sleep. Right. <laughs> you and think I, they'd be so exhausted from it. <laughs> exactly. You make such a good point. There's a lot of, a lot of multiple challenges on a woman uh, that occur in your 50s. And that's why it's so important to have this information about hormones. Some of the other possible medical issues that can be causing trouble with sleep are sleep apnea. That sometimes women or people who have sleep apnea will have that hint of, snoring at night or 
stopping breathing at night. So you might ask your partner if you have one that you sleep with, do you notice this about me that I'm not that I'm not breathing? <laughs> do, uh, do you notice that I don't breathe in the night? <laughs> that well, I stop breathing? <laughs> or that I'm snoring so loud and then suddenly uh, nothing. Right. I'm not breathing. So that's do, right. Or if even if you don't share the bed, you know, if you have separate bedrooms, can you hear me snoring down the hall? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. The answer would be yes in my case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so good information to bring with you to that first visit. Uh, that might result in more of an investigation for sleep apnea, which totally needs another evaluation. The, uh, the bummer is also that weight gain that can occur at perimenopause can, and menopause. It just doesn't say can, it does. It that yes. does occur. It does. Who gets away from that? We're, absolutely, we're going to talk about that next episode, <laughs> too, I believe. Weight gain is one of the biggest symptoms of perimenopause and menopause, but it can result in uh, sleep apnea to have weight gain. So it just keeps getting better and better. It does. You know, the I mean, it's pot, like the fun just train keeps stirring up the rolls pot. through town and symptom <laughs> after symptom. Yeah. Okay. So that requires something else, another evaluation. If you start to develop hypertension around this time, sometimes that's a that occurs with sleep apnea. So fixing or treating your sleep apnea actually helps your high blood pressure. Another thing that happens right around hormonal change time is uh, uh, autoimmune-related issues, which could include hyper or overactive thyroid. Overactive thyroid causes insomnia, too. So sometimes people have rapid heartbeat or they feel really jittery all the time. rapid heartbeat? Are you kidding me? Yeah. That's... I was laying uh, in bed, you know, because I had nothing else to do but try to fall back asleep. And my heart would start pounding like mm -hmm. I was having a heart attack. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting there thinking... What the hell? You know, mm-hmm. should I call somebody about this? Mm-hmm. And then it would go away. But it was t- it was terrifying to have my heart start racing in the middle of the night. Right, and that's something that we're going to talk about oh. uh, because it's really specific Yikes. and a common complaint in menopause, perimenopause, and it has multiple uh, possible uh, reasons why it happens. But it's actually very common. It's just a symptom of menopause. Unbelievable. And then one other thing that we usually like to investigate, it's good to kind of tell your provider is if you have a lot of, if you're having issues with, uh, if you have pain issues, like you have, you know, you have back pain or you know that you have neck pain and that is, might be interfering with your sleep as well. So just kind of, just a general overview. We call that a review of systems of things that might be complaints for you that you just live with, uh, (laughs) might be things that interfere with sleep. So it's good to mention them as well. Okay, so it really, before you even step through the door of the doctor's office, you could, there's a ton of stuff you can do mm-hmm. and that you should do because mm-hmm. you're going to be wasting an appointment, quite frankly, if you don't do it. Right. Because your provider's going to say, well, go home and take a sleep diary and mm-hmm. then, you know, write down all your medications and then do this and then tell me about any other, you know, issues you've got going on and come back and see me later. Right. Yes. Right? Yeah. So that do in, it in advance. Absolutely. That so, if, I mean, commonly, you don't get a 30 minute appointment with your provider. You just get 15 minutes. You, 15, girl, <laughs> seven <so>. minutes. <laughs> I, can, I don't so, even know how they're going to look at my diary, dear diary, right. in seven minutes, but that's not going to be my problem at that point because I've right. done my homework. <laughs> yeah. As much minutes. as you, <laughs> as much as you can gather together to provide to them that they can review after your visit or uh, right before sometimes it's good to bring that information to give it to the nurse who's checking you in so that way your doctor has a chance to review it even just uh, briefly kind of get a general idea of what 
you might be talking about. Okay, so I'm going to stop you right there. And I guarantee that every single provider is different. But is there a way you want to see this? You don't want to see it in literally a diary form where I have to flip through pages. You want a spreadsheet or something? What? What's the fastest, easiest way to look at 30 days of information? It is actually really effective to put it on a calendar. And like I said, the smiley, happy faces are really easy to see just when you're looking over it quickly. Your sleep diary, if you can put consistently, like this is when I went to bed, this is when I woke up, that might be good to put on that calendar as well. Sometimes people will do more of a spreadsheet format. It's better if it's typed, it's easier to kind of look over. If you calculate also the number of hours that you slept, that's helpful for your provider so they don't have to do it in their head. So making it just clear and concise like that. So either a calendar or a spreadsheet would be the best. So not the editorializing about Dear Diary right. tonight <laughs> I had this right. for dinner. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Maybe a spreadsheet would be easiest. Well, I think, you know, whatever's easiest for the person to actually keep track of, because mm -hmm. keeping track of anything for 30 days is a pain in the ass. Mm -hmm. But you're doing it for a reason, and you want the provider to be able to get something out of it. Mm -hmm. And if it's a train wreck of, like, random pages, there's nothing, you know, mm -hmm. you're, you're, as the patient, you are not going to get much out of that. Right. If you're keeping track of your cycles and what you ate, if you're doing caffeine all throughout the day and there's lots of information, probably doing a spreadsheet that has columns for the the sleep, beginning of sleep, end of sleep, and total amount of sleep, mood that day, what did I eat before I went to bed, what did I, when did I exercise, um, that might be... Did you take any medications? Yeah, those that might be a good spreadsheet to bring so that they can just look over briefly, really use efficient efficient use of your seven minutes uh, in the office. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. so I do all the work. I get. I give them the information. What should what should I expect then? So obviously mm -hmm. they're going to review it. I should expect that. What right. happens after that? Yeah, well, they, they might do an exam. They might want to listen to your, if you had a rapid heartbeat or some symptom, they might take a look at you and see if there's something obvious that they can see. They might check your thyroid. They might listen to your heart. So they'll do an exam. They would have already done uh, weight checks and blood pressure checks usually when you're you're, you're brought in. So just a, a, a brief physical. Okay, then a little, they might... little, little sidebar about the weight thing. Yeah. The... You guys actually add 10 pounds to everything <laughs> on the scale, right? Because I guarantee you, I, I am never as heavy as when I go to the doctor. Right. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, yeah. saying, I'm just saying. Well, remember, when you weigh yourself at home, typically, if you're like me, you take every <laughs> stitch of clothes off your body. I take off my watches and rings, anything that might count. I exhale all the way, make sure my bladder's empty. <laughs> so, so, yes, you all do put your foot on the scale. Right. That's all. Okay. Done. Okay. I just want right. to get that on right. Record from a <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then the kind of the first thing that might come out of this is some blood testing. Blood testing is so easy to do. Usually we can rule out thyroid related issues. They may want to do an overnight oximeter for the evaluation of sleep apnea. Uh, if you had those symptoms of snoring uh. um, or if you had lack of sleep. I, I meant to mention it earlier, but what if I have an Apple watch? Mm. that keeps my heart rate that keeps my mm -hmm. I don't know I don't have an Apple watch but if yes. I've got a 
I, whoops, wait, we're not sponsored by Apple's, I mean, fruit company. <laughs> yeah. So if I have a device that I wear on my wrist mm-hmm. at all time, right. and I keep track of all kinds of biological like information, yeah. do you want that? Um, I think it can be somewhat useful. They tend to malfunction. We, I don't, we don't have very good like studies over how they compare with kind of the traditional, uh, pulse oximeters. These have really good oximeters on them that are, are picking things up differently. So it's questionable data. It's probably better use of your time just to have the symptoms and then they'd order a formal uh, device to use at home. I didn't mean in lieu of the oximeter test. I meant for the sleep thing. Uh, you know how allegedly one of those watches will tell you how well you slept mm-hmm. and how many hours you slept? Yeah. Is that? Yeah. Well, that could be, so that could be a good, good for you to use while you're recording in your, it'd be better for you to put the information in that kind of format of a spreadsheet. Okay. Uh, Just, you can use it to help you know when you fell asleep and when you woke up. Yeah. So if they, and then since we're mostly focused on hormones, there's another test that's a hormonal test that your doctor might order, which is a test, a blood test measuring your progesterone level. It has to be done on a very specific day of your cycle. So day 20 of the si- of your cycle, day one is the first day of your period. The progesterone level, if it's low, then that sometimes indicates, yes, you're in perimenopause, you're not getting that feel-good hormone, maybe we could add it in. So those are the two, those are the pieces of evaluation we'll typically do with perimenopause. If we think that you're in full-blown menopause, like say you've had you don't have a uterus, you had an ablation, you have an IUD. Uh, we're not sure are you through menopause. We might check for that full blown menopause because that might also be giving you trouble with the sleep. So that's another sort of blood test that we might do called an FSH. And then what? Well, then so uh, we kind of talked about how sleeplessness, uh, trouble with sleep, that fatigue during the day, it's kind of a bad cycle of, uh, right. you know, a bad cycle. So there are some definite things that we know that most people do or can fix in order to help with sleep hygiene, we call it. Sleep, like, sleep hygiene. Yes. You're not kidding me right now. Sleep hygiene. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it, some of the things are establishing a good routine prior to sleep your brain because your sleep is a function of like normal brain activity and it likes habits when you you want to establish a pattern that makes your brain realize almost like a pavlovian dog (laughs) okay now it's time to go to sleep right so it's good to have a nice nice routine that might include meditation which is breathing breathing exercises are really good for the the, the kind of parasympathetic or relaxation response in your body. So that helps promote sleep. We talked a little bit, restorative yoga is another one like that, um, that can help uh, put you into kind of this sleep mode. You might avoid strenuous exercise, like two to three hours prior to going to sleep. You'll want to definitely avoid um, caffeine after noon. After 12 noon. After 12 noon. Yeah, no Ooh. caffeine at all. How many more minutes uh, do even I have to you, drink? Okay, yeah. I've got 30 minutes right. to keep caffeinating. <laughs> you want to avoid sugar or desserts, chocolate uh, in the afternoon and in the evening because those are stimulating. 
uh, as well. And you want to uh, watch the timing of that strenuous exercise. So watch no cell phones or screens because the, the, that light sometimes is How too stimulating to, to the brain. Scroll? Uh, what if, yeah. that, but right. again, that relaxes me. When are you supposed to well, look at Facebook? Huh? <laughs> it's it's supposed to be when you go to sleep, right? <laughs> right. Maybe you want to create a relaxation kind of routine that includes an herbal non-caffeinated uh, tea. And you might include Ugh. kind of tea, like those kinds of herbs that are good for relaxation, like chamomile, valerian, kava kava. Sometimes it's helpful to journal. So that actually gets Which some of that Which is different than my headed. sleep diary. Right, yes. There's a, a new journal kind over of, here. Okay. We're doing lots of writing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm advocating lots of writing. You act like it's 1985 again. No devices, <laughs> no screens, no blue lights. Are you there, paper. God? It's me, Margaret. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and then it might be, even in this initial evaluation, that your provider might actually recommend a medication just to help you get some good night's sleep to kind of let your body know, hey, this is what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be falling asleep and sleeping for six to eight hours. So that helps you with that, break that bad sleep cycle. We're okay, so the about. goal of the whole thing is you're in a bad cycle, you're spinning and spinning and spinning and mm-hmm. nothing good is happening and you're just getting more pissed off, more irritable, your heart is racing more and you can't sleep. Mm-hmm. So the, the goal of the entire situation is to break that. Mm-hmm. You yes. have got to get a damn good night of sleep. Exactly. Or several good nights of sleep. Multiple and though, nights of sleep. And even though you said we don't want to do drug options earlier, this might be a drug option? It might be a drug option that's a very short-term solution. So what I will sometimes do is five nights just to see if we can get you out of that habit, break that bad sleep cycle, and that's it. Because we don't want to end up making people reliant on medications for sleep. It's generally poor sleep. They're, they have side effects like trouble with being even more, a little more tired in the morning. So it's not a long-term solution. But you got to do your work, them. though. So you, you, still have you to get do something work. to get you to Very sleep. Very good. But you got to do the work, right? you got to stop right. with the screens. you got to stop with the strenuous exercise at night, right. which you know, is clearly <laughs> my problem. Um, you got to you stop eating right before bed. Don't take the show. So, I mean, honestly, you got to do a lot of work. Exactly. That's exactly right, Becca. You've been listening very closely. But if you'd like to, you know, if you would actually like to not lie awake in the middle of the night for hours on end, you got to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Right. That's right. Yeah. So then there's also we kind of we talked since this is a the, the menopause or hormonal broadcast, probably people want to hear more about that kind of the solutions for those those hormonal changes. If we did that progesterone level and it was low, we might recommend my progesterone. Fault. It's not my even fault. your fault. I break all the cycles I want. Yeah. But damn it, that corpus luteum. Right. That's it's not working quite as well. It's aging as well. Uh, so there are t- several forms of progesterone. There's prescription progesterone yeah. uh, called Prometrium. Uh, there's also compounded progesterone. And we'll talk more about compounded hormones uh, in later podcasts, but that's uh, a progesterone made for you by a compounding pharmacy, but you need a prescription for it from your physician. Mm. And not all physicians do compounded hormones like that, but we could make them. There's only two doses of progesterone that are prescription and sometimes people need a lesser dose so it's nice to have that compounded option the progesterone that's a prescription is a hard really round pill you can't even cut it in half 
So that's why the, we sometimes have to compound it or we can compound a cream, a hormonal progesterone cream. Where's that go? Goes on thin skin, inner thigh, inner arm. Okay, you haven't seen my inner thigh. I mean, it's been there. Let's go back to the wrist. <laughs> yeah. And then there, there are some over-the-counter. Uh, one of them is wild yam cream. That's a natural progesterone-like cream. And again, am I doing that on a thin skin? Thin skin. Okay, and wherever that might be Usually at you. night, you want to do it in the evening. Wild uh, yam cream. Right. Is it just like it sounds from like a yam? Yes, it is. Oh, another thing that's natural, that it rep- it's kind of like progesterone, is evening primrose oil. It's like a natural progesterone. Uh, so you can take evening primrose oil. Okay. Then we also and you decide. Eat that or are you taking the tea? It's a it's a cap a gel cap. Uh, oh, okay. I think you might be able to get it as a little tincture. It's easiest to just take it as a gel cap because then it doesn't go rancid. Because um, <laughs> yeah. like rancid oils primrose oil is just like the worst. Uh, right, <laughs> oils tend to go rancid. Okay. So we sometimes can cycle that progesterone, like just have you take it day fourteen through thirty when you're supposed to be making it, or sometimes we'll have you take it every day. You know, then there's always this. Uh, oftentimes, that those the changes associated with uh, men- perimenopause don't just they're not just one symptom. You know, we talked about those heavy periods last episode so there's constellations so a lot of times these trouble with sleeping is also going and low progesterone is going along with heavy periods and what the the hormonal iud's are ones that have progesterone in them themselves so those can be helpful too so that's the progesterone iud uh, and then there's nexplanon which is inserted in the arm that stops periods too and that is progesterone. So what you're saying then is if, you, if you've had heavy periods, you can't sleep, and you take that uh, progesterone IUD, then you could possibly wipe out a whole bunch of symptoms simultaneously. Right. Mm-hmm. Ah, yes. I kind of like yeah. the sound of that. Right. Okay. Absolutely. Let's talk about that. But I don't like all that pharmacopoeia, mm-hmm. Suzanne. Right. Give me some herbs. Mm. No. Yeah. So some Herb. safe Herb. herbals. Not herbs. Herb. Some safe herbals <laughs> that are things that you could use that won't have any bad side effects include uh, taking magnesium. It's actually a mineral uh, that can help promote sleep. Uh, kava kava is another herbal that's good for uh, sleep and relaxation. Chamomile, valerian root, um, those are helpful. Chase tree berry is good for kind of perimenopause. Chase tree berry yes c-h-a-s-e chase tree uh c-h-a-s-t-e-b-e-r-r-y i've never even heard of that i haven't been spending enough time in the herbal store have right. i <laughs> <laughs> uh, also acupuncture acupuncture i think we talked about for heavy periods it is something that can also be helpful for sleep uh, and if you have musculoskeletal or chronic that kind of pain that might be interrupting with sleep it might be a good thing for you to do for both wow okay that's a lot but you know what that was so helpful because here's the thing is all of a sudden even if you've been able to sleep like a baby the majority of your life maybe you haven't but i always had and suddenly i'm awake Mm -hmm. for no apparent reason i'm not stressed about anything i'm not worried about anything Mm -hmm. because you know worry will keep you awake but i'm not worried about anything i am just awake staring at the ceiling Mm -hmm. and i try to do some of those things like limit my screen time or 
Uh, okay, I'm going to admit it. I cut out my heavy exercise just before bed. <laughs> <laughs> but I still can't sleep, mm-hmm. right? And to understand that this is all related to perimenopause was powerful. But the more we talked about it, I totally understand now that it is a vicious cycle. It mm-hmm. is so horrible. I can't sleep. And so as a result of me not being able to sleep, I'm pissed off all day. I'm irritable. So I hit the caffeine, mm-hmm. my best friend, mm-hmm. caffeine. And that starts spinning me up, mm-hmm. right? And then I've got these bad habits and I'm, I'm drinking because I think it's putting me to sleep, which it is, but it's not keeping me asleep. Mm-hmm. So right. lather, rinse, repeat the shit cycle. Mm-hmm. And I can't sleep and I still can't sleep. And 10 years later, I still can't sleep. Mm-hmm. But so really what I want to do is get after it. I got to break the cycle. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so breaking the cycle consists of A, Doing your due diligence on the diaries, which again, I got to get my head around, but doing that diary for 30 days, be diligent. You want to fix this. So do your diary, track things like when do you sleep, when are you awake, what are your habits, when are your periods, happy face, sad face, medium Mm -hmm. face, (laughs) and take it into your provider and start the conversation about I need to talk about how to get to sleep Mm because it is ruining my life not being able to sleep. So take that into your provider and talk about what might happen next. Mm -hmm. There could be a number of different things that they're going to do. Anything from maybe you've got sleep apnea. Maybe you snore so bad that you can't sleep through the night in addition to waking up all night. So that might be a thing. Then they might do some hormonal tests to see like how far are you into the game. And as a result, may give you something to help you sleep for a couple days. To break the cycle. But guess what? It ain't going to be just the pill. Girls, it ain't going to be just the pill. You have to do the rest of the work. The pill's the easy part. The hard part is making those lifestyle adjustments that you know you have to do. So commit. Mm-hmm. And then after that, think about like what, what's next for you, right? And if some hormones might be in, in your future, great. But if you don't like that idea, for some reason that's not working for you, there are a ton of herbal remedies that you can also pursue. And of course, acupuncture is fixes all the things. <laughs> <laughs> but it's horrible. I, I think I read somewhere that 85% of perimenopausal women can't sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a very common symptom. And sometimes people, it's so happening. So what feels like young, like early 40s, late 30s. Yeah. So you don't even realize that maybe it's related to hormonal changes like that. And then the one thing, you gave such an excellent summation of the, of the whole podcast, basically, in great terms. Just remember to bring in all of those medicines you might have been using or herbals you might have been using because there might be a chance that one of them is actually stimulating you. So maybe just bring in the bottles that you have so that, that your provider can take a look and see is there anything that's that's stimulating you didn't even know you were taking. Are you saying that, so if I'm on a regular prescription drug for, you know, for this thing and then I'm taking a herb on the side that somehow the two of them can react together to prevent me from sleeping? Exactly. That's exactly right. Or maybe you're, you know, you're on a antidepressant from a psychiatrist and you never thought about mentioning it to your primary care doctor. Well, it those can interfere with sleep, even though we're treating 
you know, important mood issue, it would be good for that overview of information for your provider to know that maybe you'll find that that actually the sleep problem started when you started that medicine, for instance, or maybe you're taking a combination of herbals that has a lot of stimulating herbals like like uh, ginseng in it uh, or ephedra or something that that may be keeping you awake a little bit. Uh, it's critically important to know. Yeah. And I think we do a lot of self-medicating, don't we? Uh, whether whether it's, you know, over whether it's prescription, whether it's over the counter, whether it's herbal because it's natural so it must be right and proper. Right. Or we're doing our own medication through alcohol, through weed, through whatever it is. Caffeine. Caffe- uh, caffeine is what, what 85% talk, of don't people talk smack do, about right? My best friend, caffeine. Yeah. Again, so much of this is it, obviously our friend perimenopause has a lot to do with this. Mm-hmm. The little bitchy hormones are also messing with you. But you gotta ask yourself a question Are you practicing that good sleep hygiene? Mm-hmm. Which I'm not going to stop giggling about every time I try to say. <laughs> Are you controlling your controllables, right? If if the answer is yes to those, then go to your primary care physician, find out what you can do, work on a plan, and then work the plan. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm, there's no promises, but if, if this is something that's impacting the quality of your life, make some changes. You are going to have to be your own detective in some cases, just to see what are those things that help promote sleep. And just remember how important it is to kind of get to the bottom of, because it's going to help you. Well, I think we've covered this one. I think we did. I'm I'm about to fall asleep. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as a preview into our next episode, in keeping with our most commonly complained about perimenopause topics, the next time we're going to talk about your expanding waistline, even though you haven't changed a thing about your diet or exercise or lack thereof. Join us standing in front of the mirror trying on your last pair of fat pants as we continue the <laughs> Paramena podcast. to visit our website where reference material and links to other podcasts are held, please visit us at www.theperimenopodcast.com. If you have questions, comments, thoughts for another episode, please feel free to send us an email at theperimenopodcast at gmail.com. Find more episodes in the podcast store or Google us at theperimenopodcast.com.